0: Warning. Listening to this podcast could be hazardous to your mental health. Side effects could include. Random fits of yelling go bills to total strangers. For your safety. The entire collective medical community recommends caution when consuming this podcast. You are listening to Buffalo on the Brain with the most unathletic man in Bills Mafia, Vince Taylor. This is not the best use of your time. All right. All right, Bills Mafia. How are you doing today? As you know, this is a pre-recorded episode because I am not able to record a fresh episode for you because I'm traveling, hopefully leaving the Washington football team game with a win while meeting some of my built-in Buffalo brothers for the first time. But I do have a short episode for you. I will get you a Texans preview with Turn Up for Watt podcast all the way from across the Atlantic. And I was not aware of that when I reached out to him, but that was a lengthy chat and uh, he is full of knowledge. He is full of knowledge. I have never met a more Enthusiastic Texans fan in my life, so that was interesting and very smart and very balanced too. So uh, I hope you enjoy that. And we have a short "Real or Silly" with Justin Goddard. Without further ado, Crosstalk. Vince Taylor
1: and Built in Buffalo proudly present Crosstalk,
0: chatting up the opposition. all right ladies and gentlemen as promised i have a special guest in the program this week doing crosstalk we have hewan over from the turn up for what podcast hewan how you doing
2: i'm all right thank you very much for uh asking us to join us talk a bit of uh texans bills
0: why don't you tell us how we can find your podcast
2: Yes, yeah, so it's the, the turn up for what podcast i think we're in our third season now um predominantly just myself speaking to Houston media uh, types and trying to make sure people kind of get a bit more informed and a bit more in-depth take on the team. Um, And it's kind of uh, I suppose, diverging fates, I suppose, since the 2019 playoff game, since we last met.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes, it has. Uh, (laughs) I'm not mad about that (laughs) anymore, (laughs) but uh, why don't you tell us where we can find you on Twitter?
2: Uh, you can find us uh, it was at podcasttexans.com um, is the website and everything's at podcasttexans on Twitter, uh, on Instagram, uh, some form of Facebook, uh, not the best at social medias, but um, you can find us on YouTube as well. That's the the, uh, the latest branch off this season, um, but yeah, at, uh, at podcasttexans on YouTube as well. So yeah, you can find us on all good mediums and some bad ones as well.
0: Okay. All right. Well. I really appreciate you taking a few minutes for me tonight. I just love talking the Buffalo Bills, probably almost as much as you love talking the Houston Texans, but um, we can go ahead and get started. I don't know. I usually like to just maybe talk about each group's positions, uh, you know, position groups and, and how they might compare. And I don't really have a hard structure for this, Ewan. So you can start however you like, and I'll just supplement that if that works for you.
2: Yeah, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, as I said, it's been very uh, opposing kind of um, uh, developments of the two teams. I think obviously the job kind of Brandon beans done there has been great. I mean, do you, I mean, I suppose my, my my sort of I know we're a couple, we're a little while out from the game. Um, I suppose, and it's kind of there's probably you know there's another game in between this right now, so. You know things change a week to week. League, I suppose. My big question was, or the Bills, um, you know, because obviously I want to see you guys do well. This was a game I was meant to be at as well, actually. So, um, just with the travel restrictions, don't think I'll make it. Um, but yeah, I suppose the big question was 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 the Bills pass rush going to be up there that they could compete with the Chiefs? Do you think? Do you think they're getting to that point? It's yeah, certainly that you... like they brought a lot of secondary p- pressure last week, but um, do you think they're getting there?
0: I. I think so. If you would have asked me two months ago, I would have been more pessimistic. The preseason got me feeling a little bit better. Of course it's preseason. So I never really know what do you want to take away from that? And honestly, the last couple of teams that we played had have subpar offensive lines, Sailors offensive line, not great. Dolphins offensive line, not great. We should be able to take advantage of those matchups. And we did, but we're looking really good doing that. AJ Epineza was great. You know, Jerry Hughes hasn't really popped yet, but I, I think he, it's just a matter of time. Um, Gregory Rousseau, he's fantastic. I, I think we're all very optimistic about where that defensive line is going since we invested so heavily in it.
2: Yeah, and they took Boogie Basham in this second round as well. This was a guy quite late, like, wait for us. What have you been to him so far?
0: That's right. He hasn't been active yet. Right. But. Right. You know, stashing him away for, I guess, a rainy day or someday. I don't know what they're planning on doing him with him but because mm. he can play a little tackle too, but I don't think they're going to do that. I think he's going to stay on the outside.
2: Yeah, interesting. Just the only reason why I asked was, I, I suppose, the biggest surprise from week two for me. We're not biggest surprise because they've invested heavily in that in that uh, section of the team, but the offensive line, I think, for the Texans against Miles Garrett, um, against Jamie Clowney, uh, Malik McDowell being sort of resurrecting Malik Jackson I thought you know we're going to be in for a a hard day in Cleveland and yeah that's probably probably the biggest bright spot out of the team through the first couple of weeks has just been the solidity of the offensive line less so in in run blocking I think we're still trying to find our way and how to move the ball but certainly in past sets I've been pretty impressed with what the guys have done up front Um, new offensive line coach coming in this season so I, I think uh, you know that was the big question, I suppose, about the bills. in some circles, that I'd seen anyway. Um, I, I was I was pleasantly surprised how we uh, neutralized the threat of Miles Garrett and and uh, and clowning up front. I think and that that it kind of gave us a. It probably took the, the or the probably took the biggest biggest kind of weapon that the the uh, the brown the Browns have, and their, their their defense is based on just rushing four up front, and one of those guys will get home. And you took that away, and it that probably allowed us a chance to stay in the game.
0: Well. I, and I'm going to ask this question. I don't mean to be disrespectful, but before the season started, was that something you were expecting from that? Te- I, I just did. I, I think that most people around the league would look at the Texans and they say, yeah, I don't know. They're kind of messy, but they have a few pieces here and there that you might like. I would not have expected that. And then you have Tyrod Taylor playing out of his mind. Of course he's hurt. Yeah. That, but
2: well, yeah, no, he'd be a great, a great six quarters before he's, uh, stereotypical injury early in the season I suppose yeah would you have seen it I think I think I'm I'm kind of torn this year because you've been we've performed admirably we beat a bad team in the Jags and then we and and we ran a we ran a good team an 11-1 team from last year uh, in Cleveland uh, right until you know late into the third fourth quarter so um, I'm, I'm torn in the sense that we've got a lot of veteran pieces, a lot of guys who've played a lot of football in this league, know how to win games, know how to react to adversity, um, and know how to uh, and, and know how to see games through in difficult times. But at the same, with the same token, we're not developing, and we don't have a core of young players um, that you know in two and three years' time um, will still be under the rookie wage scale. You know, so I think we we, we don't have a lot of young pieces with big upside that we can turn this roster into, you know, a, you know, multi, multi blue chip player roster that you need. If you want to go and compete with the chiefs, you want to compete with the Ravens, you know, you want to go and, um and make a run in the playoffs. And I think that that's probably the, the issue is I think we've kind of played it reasonably safe, a bit unconventionally by bringing all these, these guys in um, on, you know, on one or two year deals, not big money committed to anyone. Uh, but I just don't think we're building enough for the future. And I think that's the concern. I suppose this year was kind of a reset and most people counted us out. And I think we've surprised some people, um, others too, to so a greater degree than others. But the, there's a, the, there's definitely there's definitely a, a lifted sense of optimism after probably one of the worst off-seasons you could ever have, where it's only ever been eclipsed by your team leaving town. Um, and then this season, you know, it, it, it didn't set you up well for... for for the 21 season. But I think the way the team have gone and played and and admirably lost, I suppose, uh, in Cleveland, I think there's definitely a a bigger sense of optimism um, right across the league um, than there was, you know, maybe even two weeks ago.
0: Yeah. I personally, and I try not to be a homer. I, when I say this, I try to say this as objectively as possible. I don't think the bills are ready to take on the chiefs yet. And I might've actually put Cleveland ahead of the bills in terms of AFC ranking. And I did not have any expectations for this Houston team. And to come out and play that, I, yes, they got a win that I wasn't expecting against. It was against the Jags, but a win's a win. And then to kind of play that closer game with a team like Cleveland, I mean, you got my attention. <laughs> I don't really know what I should be expecting because it's the NFL and you can have games like that, but that's still pretty impressive to me.
2: Yeah, and I think the offense has probably, um, has been better than we thought. I think the, the injury issue was, was probably one that forced our hand when um, we we've, we've got Roberts out there, obviously a guy you know really well. He's been signed as a punt returner, but was having to play offensive snaps. We only took five wide receivers on the on the fifty-three man roster. So Danny Amendola goes down, um, he goes out of the game. Um and then and then we lo- and then we lose Anthony Leclerc, who's a big part of our run our run uh blocking at tight end. Um and then we you know you 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 lose Tyrod Taylor and I think all the injuries start to mount up pretty quickly. So Um, It it was it was a real challenge, I think. um, On on Sunday, they should have had probably you know uh, they should have kept the game closer than they did, I think. And we you know we you know and Roberts fumbles a punt a punt return um, gives them a seven early, um, and then when Davis Mills comes in for the second half, he he sets up a short field and they kick a field goal, so the ten point differential that was at the you know on the final scoreboard was actually handed to to the to the to the Browns in, in most senses. So I think there, there was a there was definitely a sense of frustration, a, a sense of if Tyrod had had of pulled up his hamstring just before the half. Um, ironically, when, when Laramie Tunsil went out, um, and the, the pressure came from that side on, on the backup Gary and Christian was filling in for that one series prior to halftime. Then it was it, it was a sense that you probably could have run them closer and we probably could have kept the score tighter and and uh, and maybe made a game of it towards the end. But um, I suppose that. The cons- well, the concern will be, we'll not know, but we'll find that. I, I would think this Thursday is probably too close for Tyrod to come back and play. Um, the-, the Bills may be a-, a-, a potential return point for him, but the issues with the soft tissue injury—you just never know. The timelines can be incredibly variable. And I think it's just it's uh, it's a case by case, week by week basis, and it- they can heal quickly or they can they can linger. And hopefully, it's the former. But certainly, I think we need Tyrod back if we're going to be competitive this season, not not necessarily a phrase I thought I'd be saying over a year ago.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. And as you know, Bills fans, we have a soft spot for Tyrod. He's still kind of polarizing, I guess, within the mafia, but most people would agree he's a likable guy. I think where we might disagree was what his accomplishments were when he was in Buffalo. Uh, There's a big split on that. But, yes, you said earlier this segment is serving as uh, a prequel to the Texans game. And it seems early because my podcast drops on a Monday and I'm going on vacation tomorrow morning. So that's why we're talking so early, but uh, I'm I'm curious on, on a Texans fan perspective. I know it's at this point, what do you think of the, the bills game coming up?
2: Yeah. Well, as I said, it was one I'd had circled in my calendar. um thought it was going to be, Yeah, uh, I was desperate to come and, um, Sample the much uh much disgusting uh so much or rather infamous uh you know fan experience. Um unfortunately won't make it this year. So hopefully we get you back on the schedule next year when travels a bit more free. Um looking like we might be able to make a game at the end of the year now with the announcement today, so that'd be good. Um but yeah, no, I think I mean the Bills game obviously for one, I think. I mean there was about four or five games I thought that was on the schedule this year that we had a chance to win. This wasn't one of them. Um it's it's been quite you know it's been quite a sh- transformation I think in terms of Josh Allen if you remember that playoff game and that's probably the last time I've watched his game in depth um, you know at sort of all twenty two level but I think he's the his jump in accuracy that like last year was was unrivaled it was almost you know it was almost un, it was unparalleled in many senses I think statistically I don't think anybody's you know improved their passing a- accuracy by that many percentage points. Um, obviously, uh, Stephen Diggs being a big part of that, and I think your your passing attack. I think and the issue is, I think you're starting to see more cracks in our defence. Um, a lot of veteran players who are kind of getting by, know how to, you know, know what are, are are smarter than your average rookie, and not necessarily make glaring mistakes. Uh, but we're talent deficient um, in the past defence, and I think um, if Josh Allen, I suppose that's a big question. If he continues that level of of accuracy that you saw last year, and absolutely shredding defences. Um, from the pocket, then I think yeah, I think you'll you'll, you'll probably work at, walk out um, inevitable winners um, just on the quality golf alone, kind of similar to what we saw in Cleveland there um, on Sunday. So yeah, I I, I I certainly don't think it's one that the Texans have a right to be in. Um, but you never know; stranger things have happened. We've had a, an uncanny ability to force some turnovers early in the season. Um, it's a statistical anomaly in many senses, and you can't always rely on that. And it's often. On your opponent's mistakes, you'll get turnovers. So we've been lucky with that. But I think if you take those turnovers out of the defense we played up to this point in the season, I don't think we've necessarily been in you know as had a lead against the Jags or been as close um, to, to the Browns as we were. So I think you know if if uh, if the Bills turn up on the next Sunday, play a clean game of football um, and pass the ball like they can, then I think it'll probably quite a, a golf between the two teams because. Um, and obviously, the tie rod factor unknown at this stage. Where I think the the passing attack of the Bills and what you've you've seen with Brian Dable on that offense, um, and the continuity of him coming back, not getting a head coaching job. I think you'll probably see you like to think. I'm sure from your guys' point of view, Josh, I'll continue that that curve he's on. I think that'll be far too much for the for the lack of um, coverage we've got on the back end. And uh, shoot I think there'll be a a rather straightforward one a week Sunday. I would think.
0: Well. And you might not be aware of this, but Josh has not had a great start so far. Of course, Pittsburgh has an amazing defense for most of my adult life. I just only know Pittsburgh having a great defense. And they were able to get pressure without blitzing. Uh, This past week, Miami frustrated him a bit. I know it was 35 to nothing, but that is a little misleading. Josh had a hard time against uh, Z and Byron Jones. So, uh, you know, I I guess I don't feel that strongly about our offensive line. I like our tackles, but they've been pretty subpar this far. Uh, Deion Dawkins is still, I guess, trying to recover from COVID. Not really where Mm. he needs to be yet. Uh, Derrick Williams has been... Not great. (laughs) I I was very high on him coming into the season, but this far, he's not been that great. So, I mean, I think there's a path there. Like, it's the NFL. You never really know what could happen. So, I don't know. Maybe I'm giving you a false sense of optimism, but if you can get some pressure with our our offensive line being kind of lackluster, that could change things. Josh is not Josh right now at this point. We feel like it's only a matter of time before he snaps out of it. And, you know, by Mm. the time that you and I – A face off in a couple weeks we have we'll have faced another challenge in that defensive line of the washington football team so i don't know Uh, i think there's a path there for you to frustrate us
2: yeah possibly and i i referenced earlier i suppose i think the the jump that he made last year it was always going to be a question it was that sustainable you know and people can have great seasons and not necessarily follow it up and you know for you guys i hope, hope he does um but yeah, I think there's always an element of you know having a you know he he came from a small school, took him time to develop, exploded last year. Um, and then how do you you follow that up, I suppose? And I, I think it's it's our pass rush from, from what we've seen in the first two games. Um, you know, a couple of sacks on on, on Mayfield on, on Sunday, um one kind of coverage sack against the Jags. So I don't necessarily think we've got you know game records up front. Um, but the whole kind of four three that we're playing this year under Lovey Smith is all kind of based around the premise that you know the four guys up front will get you know, will get home, um, and 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 when it's not done that so far, we've you know we've done enough to contain offenses and we're not give up any big plays in deep deep uh, bar one against Jacksonville. Um, but I think we you know the the seams are there to be attacked. Um, there's buckets in there between the second and third level where you know people just drop the ball in. You know, with ease, um, because you know we're not our linebackers aren't necessarily great in coverage, and um, and I think there's definitely a, a, a probably a get right game in there if if it isn't against Washington. So, uh, but as you said, that front against Washington will be difficult, and then you can see where he is, you know, mentally. Uh, but you'll certainly not get that that uh, level of heat up front, I think, from from us guys when when uh, when when the time comes. But but um, yeah, I think it's it's a difficult one because we obviously we've got a sort of mini buy after playing Carolina on the Thursday night prime time. Um, so we've got an extra couple of days to, to kind of prepare for that game. that gives you an advantage, but obviously I think the weather up in upstate New York can be, uh, can be a tricky one. I suppose it was good to see me playing you guys early. I remember the last time we played, uh, I think it was 2016. Uh, yeah, 2016. I think we came up there. Um, I mean, 2015 now we came. I remember a really cool day. Um, and the game could have gone either way. Two evenly matched sides. So I think it's it's, it's a difficult difficult challenge um, to to go to go up to Buffalo, and I think you'll always have that that advantage at home. I think in some of you know the kind of more northernly stadiums, you've kind of you've kind of got that home field advantage, probably more so than some of the more kind of modern dome like stadiums. All, albeit, I do have seen some designs for a a pending new stadium, but I don't know how you feel about that one.
0: Well, I. Actually, live in Indiana, so I don't really have a dog in this fight, other than you know the one or two times I go every couple of years to a game. But I I I like to leave that conversation to the folks that live in Orchard Park. They're allowed to have the stronger feelings. I'm just glad that it's not a dome stadium, and I'm glad they're staying in Buffalo. I guess is all I really care about. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I was a little shocked to see that uh, that well the texans drafted davis mills it felt to me like it was a hedge against everything that's going on with watson right now and then you coach mm-hmm. you had uh, did you have hoyer in town i feel like there was another quarterback that was along for uh a hot cup of coffee for a minute but uh how are how do texans fans feel about davis mills because he was a relatively high draft pick but he wasn't a first rounder so how do we, how are we feeling about him
2: there's perhaps been some unnecessary pressure, I think, put on just with Nick Casario being first year GM uh, in Houston this year. Obviously, there's been a lot of kind of controversy with the Sean Austin thing, um, which just kind of seems to rumble on. Despite kind of, you know, some the forces that be trying to continually pump it back into the news cycle when nothing materially, materially has changed in eight or nine months, ultimately the team want full ticket price. Uh, nobody's willing to pay that with the uncertainty leave over it. So it's you're at a stalemate. Um, so there's no kind of sort of zone of potential agreement between any two sides. So that one's just kind of going to sit there until Um, he feels he can clear his name and I think that's what he's intent on doing you know what the what the truth is we'll probably never know Um, but yeah I think yeah you're right he was brought in um, as part of a trying to patch up a a bad situation Um, you know you wait your entire existence to find the guy you find him he doesn't even last into his fifth season so you know you know psychologically I think for for fans and everybody that's quite a tough uh, tough deal to kind of go through and so there's there's a huge amount of pressure put on Davis Mills and he only played 11 starts in Stanford. Um, obviously, John Shaw is, you know, is uh, running that program there, heavily involved in the draft, and he's kind of heavily linked into um, pro pro teams. Um, and I, like, I think there is some fundamentals there, and some of the, the stuff that's really hard to teach, like footwork and uh, mechanics, kind of seems all there. But I think there's a, he's got an issue with reading the field, and you saw a couple of DB pressures. Uh, from the nickel come up and uh, and, and make you know, and, and, he, and he struggled with that um, in Cleveland, and obviously he was thrown into the fire, limited preparation, no, no, uh, no real practices were the ones you'll get at an abbreviated version of that going into the Carolina game, um, and I think that'll be a real test, and I think it'll be a sink or swim moment for him, and it might define his career in some ways or another. Certainly, his Houston Texans career. Um, I think the team are willing to give him every chance um, if he's going to be the long-term answer. Whether he will or not be, um, time will tell. As I said, I would probably much rather uh, Tyrod was out there. Certainly the start he's made in six quarters was you know, was as good as we've seen um, in the last few years, and I include Watson in that, because Watson had a lot of bad games for all his highlight reels. He had a lot of slow starts um, and a lot of kind of sloppy play at times, poor mental process in which he saw the benefits of having, you know, a, 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 a well seasoned veteran out there. So Mills is obviously the opposite of that, um, and he'll make mistakes. He's got a terrible uh, habit of throwing bad interceptions. Um, he was, you know, really trying to force the ball into Brandon Cooks in um, the half he played on Sunday. So it's going to be. I think he's he's got he's got a lot to a lot to work on, and I think he's just not played a lot of football. He even missed the year at high school with a knee injury. So you know he looks the part um, in the sort of prototypical pocket passer, but the league's kind of moving away from that. So, you know, he, he will he will find his feet um hopefully on Thursday night and he may well probably play in Buffalo if I was to hedge a bit. Um if he have to go out you know with a hamstring injury. I would think it'd be a couple of weeks um to let that one heal up. So yeah, he he's got all the all the tools there, I think, but he's he's got a long a long road ahead of him to refine that um at this level because he's just simply not playing enough football. So um, there's hope there, um, but it's probably optimistic hope more than perhaps one that's sort of grounded in sensibility.
0: Okay, I mean, anytime you, even if it's not a first-round pick, like second-round pick is sort of like no man's land almost for when you're taking a quarterback. Like you're kind of hoping you're getting the best that's fallen out of the first round, but generally speaking, the the best prospects are going. You know in the round before. Yeah. Yeah. Uh so I don't know. I I I understand like to your point why he felt he was pressured into making that because you had you had Tyrod Taylor and you don't know what's going on with your franchise guy. Um yep. I don't know. Well just we'll move on after this one more question. <laughs> um yeah. because I have been the president of Never Trade Your Franchise quarterback ever until this year with with Watson. Where do most uh, uh where do most Texans fans stand with him right now? Are they willing to give up on him or are they willing to stand, you know, firm and see what happens?
2: Yeah, I've just seen actually there that's a bit for four weeks, so you will see Davis Mills in Archer Park. Um I think, yeah, I mean on the Watson situation, I suppose the people stand with him. Yeah. I mean I'm I'm always cautious to take opinions from social media and uh and that kind of you know that kind of arena because I think it it, it uh, creates a sort of sense of uh, perhaps hysteria at times and, and and maybe not the most kind of balanced view. Um, I often think there's kind of two worlds emerging sometimes. And um, you know myself living kind of the other side of the Atlantic, I suppose I kind of I try I try to selectively um read what you know what's out there and then I, I balance my opinions out with, you know, probably people that are a bit more kind of plugged in. But yeah, look that there is an element of you signed a contract and then you turned your back on it very quickly. Um you were happy to back bank the thirty eight million signing bonus. Um but for whatever reason, um despite all your off field indiscretions or alleged indiscretions, you um you turned your back on a fan base and a franchise that took you in and treated you one as your own and um, and stood with you, um, you know, through your first injury and in your, in your first season and um, and believed in you to give you the money. And I think that, you know, there, there's a lot, I think there's a lot will come out, um, you know, and I always say with a lot of this stuff, um, I mean, it is a soap opera, <laughs> essentially, um, no more so than the Texans, but the league as a whole. And a lot will come out one day, um, but we'll never see the tip of the iceberg. So, you know, all the stuff that went underneath, you would never have thought 22 allegations or 24, or however many it is now. Um, including some of the the criminal convictions um, or criminal charges rather that have been levied, them um, will come out, and I, I think it's 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 a, it's a it's a sense of disappointment. It's a sense of you you felt you were finally heading in the right direction, and there was there was a chance you could be relevant as a franchise, which I think you know, with all intents and purposes, we have not been uh, for. For the vast majority of our history, and I think perhaps what's been more disappointing, actually, in the last couple of weeks, has been the fact that we've seen a, a you know a much less talented roster, uh, but actually the results and the performances and the discipline and, and, and the preparedness of the players has been a far greater level than we've been used to. And I think that probably just says something about the previous coaching staff and the way Bill O'Brien ran this team. You know, and you, obviously the GM moves, but we should never have been made. We should never have been put in that position. And, um, you know, Nick Saban said that it was an impossible task and um, when he's taken him on at Alabama. Um, but I, it's, it, it's a sense of a lot was left out there because I think if you look at our 2018 roster and even our 2019 roster to a degree, it was probably good enough to make a run, uh, but it was just mismanaged and um, a lot of good players. Yeah, yeah. And poor coaching staff, um, you know, his yes men uh, rather than the best coaches and teaching fundamentals and, uh, and, you know, and, and, and developing players. We just didn't develop any players. We never found any guys and, and made them better than they were. We only had top end talent and, and, and then just Jags across the roster. So I think, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a disappointment. I think feeling, um, that, you know, that it was, a it should have been a golden era, um, for Houston Pro football. And, uh, and it's going to be looked on at, at, you know, a couple of playoff losses at best. And I think that's, you know, that and, uh, yourselves and, uh, and Oakland were the only, uh, with the, the two that we we managed to uh, overcome in the playoffs. The rest was just, you know, broad disappointment. So, yeah, I, I think pe- people will people inevitably turn, don't they? I think because their loyalty first and foremost, uh, still in football, less so in you know sort of basketball and things like that now. But the the ultimate loyalty is towards the club um, because that's you know that's the that's the jersey you got on your back, but. Um, and the individuals are are part of it for a, for a set time. And we just, I I suppose that that set time felt like it could have been 15 years and it's probably going to be four um, with a year in the wilderness. And hopefully it'll get, it'll get uh, concluded at some point. And before the next draft and we can move on and and fortify and rebuild a roster that's, you know, in much, much, much need of some young, young quality pieces.
0: Yeah. Bill O'Brien was not, Very disciplined when it came, and I understand why Watson was upset. But he he signed his contract after all that happened. But he was a top five quarterback in the league. I had the most respect for Deshaun Watson. He was amazing. I was so wrong about him when he was drafted, and all that mess happens. And the Texans hire David Coley. I was not very high on the David Coley hiring, but I was thinking to myself. How do you justify taking a job like that, knowing what you're coming into when you take the job? Like you're almost set up for failure. And Mm -hmm. David Coley, to his credit, seems to be doing everything right right now. Like even if like, you know, the Texans end up going like three and 14 or, you know, five and 12 or something like that. That's an accomplishment given what he had to take on. He's got a big job ahead of him, and at least from a third party perspective, it feels like he's doing a good job.
2: Yeah, no, I think I think he's won over people um, that you know necessarily weren't fans of the hire at the outset. I think he's an incredibly likable guy. Um, he's had a long career in this league, never as a coordinator, uh, but a long time wide receivers coach. Not necessarily had the best um, output of his units, but I think. Um, he was brought in as in his own words for this situation. You know, this is a, you know, and I think it was it was it was certainly put to me that one of the sort of senior Texans brass said that this was going to be a multi-coach fix. Um, and so, you know, to, to bring a first year head coach like a Joe Brady or a Brian Dable or a, um you know, we were almost almost hired, you know, your defensive coordinator Fraser or, you know, or whoever it might be, Matt Eberflus was, you know, in there. Um right at the end uh eric b enemy was one of the final interviews as well and i think to put somebody in that position um with limited talent uh, with a organization which is in transition at best uh, right now um probably wasn't the best footing for their career um and i think but for somebody who has nothing to lose who's at the tail end of their career who is there to try and implement a culture um and try and implement a a place where players want to play because i don't think that's necessarily been the case for the last five or six years that he was the right man for that situation was he the best football coach out there um that was going to bring his system that was going to bring a new brand of houston texas football in 2021 um no he wasn't but i don't think he had the assets in the draft or on the current roster to do that so I think it was it was probably a sensible move. Um it looked very safe from the outside. Um and it, because it was, I think, in in many senses. Um but there, there's there's definitely a there's definitely a sense of 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 him thawing the the frost that was probably around these higher. Um Watson didn't give him a chance, but I think everybody else who's come in contact with him all the players, um, and he look and I think he had some of the most refreshing probably comments I've ever seen out at coach today. He made a complete mess of it on Sunday. Um, he should have accepted the penalty, declined it, which gives it fourth and two, um, rather than taking the third down and trying to, trying to, you know, convert the third down at, at midfield. He declined the penalty and punted. And he was asked after the game, and he said he, he sort of kind of dismissed it to a degree. Um, and then he, he came at the press conference today and said, "Look, you know, if I had my chance again, I would do it differently, and I would have accepted the penalty." And I think for us, as, that's you know, rare. As, yeah, that's well, really yeah, rare. yeah, it is rare. I think, but just it's a mark of the man, I think, and it's the humility, um, and uh, everything that, that's good about you know, he's a, a, a proper southern gentleman, I think, and he, he, um, yeah, he's he, he's too honest, and I think some of the, the Watson stuff having to give a you know, a politician's answer to the cameras has probably ate away of at him slightly, um. But he's, he, you know, you get what you see, and he's the same every single day, and that's a bit of a cliche. But I think he's he's steadied a ship in in a season that could have been, it could have been, you know, I an seventeen. Um, but I think he's in there with a great coaching staff at the same, probably the best coaching staff I've had in a long time. Um, and he's he, he is the CEO. He's just the head. He's the head of that. He lets his coaches get on with the job, um, and and everybody warms to him. So yeah, I think for the next one two years. I can't see him probably being here beyond the third season. Um, but yeah, but by the time we get to that, hopefully we've built some you know foundational pieces that we can start to formulate what could be a roster that could, you know, put itself in contention to playoff spots.
0: You mentioned a while ago that you decided, well, I say you, but the Texans decided to keep just five receivers on the fifty-three man roster. How are you feeling about that?
2: Well, I mean, it caught them out in week two, so um, it's probably a, it's perhaps a, an oversight in, in that in that sense. I think the, I think the idea was they wanted to play more tight ends, um, so you'd only have three on the field at, at any point. I suppose if, if you have regularly two tight ends on the field, you only typically keep three on the roster, max four. So, um, I kind of see where they're coming from in that sense. They want they want to run the ball, uh, so we kept five running backs, uh, which is unusual. So that was basically where the others. Um, Slot slider. I think it's it's difficult because Nico Collins comes out, catches a thirty-five yard catch and run, um, and now he's out for three weeks with a shoulder injury. So you know, I think it's been kind of one step forward, two steps back. Um, it wasn't Sunday, and I think it's kind of low. little. It feels like that. That's where our season's taken taking a step as we go into week three. But yeah, the, the the five wide receiver thing. I think look, I mean, it's if if you if all five guys stay healthy, you don't talk about it. Um, and then but we get two two players injured, Anthony Miller, who we picked up from the Bears. In a late round swap, um he'll he he'll, he'll have to play on Thursday. Um Nico Collins will probably you probably won't see him soon, which is a shame because he was the camp star this year. I think he was the he was the pick of the rookie class. So you know, we'll probably bring up somebody from the practice squad and that. So there'll be a, a lack of experience beyond um Brandon Cooks um and Garen Connolly's probably the um or sorry, um Chris Connolly will be the um he'll be the sort of secondary receiver. So yeah, I think there's there's probably an element of tight end. A heavy, a run game heavy, um, but uh, but yeah, certainly through the first couple of weeks, he's caught them out already, so you, you'd think you know, an optimal number in your roster is perhaps six.
0: Yeah, and you also said you, you kept five running backs. The Bills kept five running backs too. One of mm. them is a fullback, so yeah. I guess that counts, but the Bills have had a weakness against the run game historically under Sean McDermott. And I know that week one we bottled up Najee Harris, and we're kind of proud of that. Even if they have a subpar offensive line, Miles Gaskin is fine. He's he's fine, you know. So I don't know how much pride we take in holding him down. But I don't know. It seems like you guys have a lot of veteran running backs that you can swap in and out. And if you guys are going to be running two tight end sets, maybe there's something there. Maybe you could grind some yards out that way.
2: Oh yeah, no, I think that that that's very much the formula. It's don't turn the ball over um, and and keep running until you until you have to throw. I think really has kind of been the what we've seen. I think what what we've seen in, in the early parts of the game so this year has been Tim Kelly, who was an O'Brien prodigy, but he's come in and he's shown he's his own man. He's he's his screen pass or his or his go screen pass to uh, to Phil Lindsay this week it was the perfect play call, the perfect time. He had two sets of of, of motion to to drag drag the defense in the opposite direction. The two linemen basically just, just escorted Philip Lindsay into the into the end zone. And I think there's he's he's kind of come into his own as a play caller so far um this year. But I think that the real benefit is just continue to run the ball. And I think we'll get better at running the ball because we'll have to um to try and stay in games. Uh, but certainly, I think there's, there's, yeah, there's definitely a number of, of backs in there that are. Um, you know, I've been surprised that Mark Ingram, um, at, you know, at 31, he'll turn 32 this season. He, you know, he, he doesn't look certainly that, that at that age. I don't know if he's the next Frank Gore, perhaps. Um, they continue to be evergreen uh, in the backfield. I think Philip Lindsay's still got ways to improve, um, and I think he'll continue to come on and, and get better as the season goes on. I mean, they're probably the guy who everybody wants to see, in Houston Scotty Phillips, who, with that he was probably the, the main reason why they kept. Um, five running backs because they knew he would get signed to another squad uh, but he's got a lot of promise coming out of Ole Miss going into year two everybody likes him he's got a lot of juice good one cut runner uh, you know, great vision so you know I think he's probably the guy you'd want to see the most out of as I said before about building for future years so yeah but we will continue to be a run heavy team and as long as we we'll able to run the ball um, and be selective with our passing game I think we'll have a chance but as I said it's come out so today the Tyrell will be out for three or four weeks so yeah um, We'll need to see if David Davis Mills survives. I think because his he's mental processing of the game and checking at the line, um, it's probably <laughs> it probably leaves a lot to be desired versus what Tyrod was doing early you on know, in the first six quarters for us. So, so we'll yeah we'll, we'll we'll see where that one gets to. But I think if yeah this team will have to be able to run the ball if they want to stay competitive, particularly in a game um, like coming up to, to Buffalo.
0: Yeah, I would expect a lot of misdirection trying to play with Jermaine Edmonds' head and make him think because that's when you can lose him. you get a blocker on him he's pretty much out of the play so um matt milano you might have to worry about but he's not a great tackler he can get there um both of them are pretty rangy they're more coverage style linebackers but you know, of course they can tackle their nfl linebackers but i wouldn't say that that's necessarily their strength
2: yeah i think that's the the, the trouble just from the not what's the L 22 yet from cleveland but certainly from the first week i think with what we what we're struggling with is getting to the second level and blocking. Um, first level's improved, I think, from last year. Um, you know, people are getting their assignments down, but I think you get to the second level and really springing people on, letting our running back go and attack DBs We take the linebackers out of it. That's the difference between, you know, a 10-yard run and a 30-yard run. So, um, you know, that I think that's the, the next sort of step that this team needs to get a bit better at. Um, in terms of in terms of going to attack with you know the second and tertiary level of the defense, so if we can do that and come into a game, yeah, then yeah, we have got a chance uh, against any team. I think if you can, you know, um, win the type of possession and and, uh, and and retain the ball and keep your you know your defense fresh for when they're needed. So it's uh, yeah, I think that's the big challenge and that's probably the big question for us all season. I think that'll be the same again week four.
0: Okay, well, just a couple more questions and then you can ask me whatever you'd like if you want to do that as well, but. Let's say, Hewan, that I gave you keys to the kingdom. You're the new GM. What would you be doing differently right now?
2: Yeah, for me, I mean, I, I think I've been critical of, of Casario in, in some senses. I think he t- tried to clear up the dead camp money, and he's a couple of times referenced the sort of, uh, the sort of thinly referenced the situation that he inherited, um, perhaps not always knowingly. I think for me, what I, I think I would have – I certainly wouldn't have uh, – Certainly would have traded up in the draft. I would have taken as many picks as we could have could have got. I mean, they went up and gave up a third, or the equivalent of a third next year, uh, or equivalent of a fourth, I think it was, rather, for uh, Nico Collins. I, I would have brought in a big undrafted free agent class. Um, certainly wouldn't have signed as many um, veterans as we, as we have. Um, I think if you look at the, the couple of early ones, uh, Mark Ingram uh, and... Uh, uh, Christian Kirksey, a linebacker. I think they've been the kind of main addition, but they were the ones right at the start before free agency. So uh, Malik Collins is probably the biggest one we've signed. The most money we committed to was a punter. So and Cam Johnson, who came up from Philadelphia. So yeah, I think for me, I would have I would have invested in youth more, It'd be playing youth. Um, you know, we've got you know first and second year guys inactive um, on a Sunday, which for me at this stage, I don't think is doing you any favors. I think if you're going to fail anyway, um, or you've got a good chance of failing, I'd rather fail a young guy learning. Uh, for future years rather than somebody who's not going, going to be on somebody else's roster or you're going to have to bring back an inflated cost um so yeah i, I suppose Caserio's kind of bucked the trend in terms of if you think about the architecture of this or the the, the newest cba it was the prior one that, that kind of eradicated the middle class of 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 football uh, free agents now that suppress their market, so You can get a lot of value in these sort of three three to f- seven year experience guys. You know, a lot of teams just turn their back on and pay a rookie that, you know, the, the, the 800K minimum or whatever it is now um, to, to go and fill that role. But I think, you know, with that comes mistakes. And I think what you, what you will see with this Texas team is a team that doesn't make as many mistakes as perhaps one with the young team, So I can see why they've, why they've, they've gone that route. Um, but with, with a lack of draft capital, with a lack of, um, with a lack of kind of cap dollars to spend, I would have gone young, and I would have got a lot of free agent guys in, and just came, got them to come and compete for certain spots, Um and perhaps maybe spent a little bit more money on on need positions. Uh, but I think what what will happen, um Vince, is when when the time comes when we finally move on from the Watson situation, and if you do retain, you know, Touchwood, that it you know doesn't go down a legal route, that that means that he's, he has zero value. Um, but what I think will happen is that the time where we've got you know two or three first round picks, you know, like you've seen, Oakland or, or Las Vegas um, do recently, like you saw Miami do um, in the last couple of years, have multiple first round picks. I think what one sort of two years from now. I think that's this, the time that we'll be able to sort of kind of give a broad assessment of uh, has Casario improved this roster from albeit a low base, uh, but have, have these high draft picks. Which, which as a franchise, if you think of it, we traded up for Tunza when we moved on from Brock Osweiler. When we, when we, uh, when we traded up for Watson, uh, you know we've had very few sort of top end premium picks come in and and help. You know add young potential blue chip pieces to this roster, hence why the composition on our overall talents uh, level is low. So once we've actually had a chance to do that and, and build your roster, like, you know, 30, we you know, not 31 other, but when the vast majority of, of franchises would probably tell you that's their blueprint, we've not been able to do that uh, through, the, the, you know, that some of the heavy-handed decisions made. So once you've got a chance to to actually see what he can bring in and evaluate then I think then you'll be able to judge him on there. But I think if you look at the early signs, you know, you've got Roy Lopez, a six-round pick. He was out with the starters there. Look, I mean, he's raw. He's making mistakes. But, um, you know, if you can find guys like that consistently over two or three drafts, and you you know, you know you hit on three or four players per draft um, that can come and contribute, you know, down and down on a Sunday, then that's when we'll start to see this roster come back around again. But it feels like we're a hell of a long way from that right now.
0: Yeah, you got to be more strategic when you don't have the high draft capital and you haven't for a little while. Uh, so as you mentioned, yeah, you know, it got those high, you know, pedigree players that you're trying to build up and, and grow and on rookie contracts. And so, yeah, it, it is definitely a difficult job right now. Um, but you know, take your medicine, you know, get the right pieces there. And who knows two or three years from now, you might be feeling different.
2: Yeah, I hope so. And I think, I mean, I, I think you're seeing every year there's, you know, there's value to be had. If you look at uh, Joe Tyron, who was late, to the Bucks. you know, right at the back of the first round, um, he's coming and he looks like he can be a day one pass rusher for you. You know, I think when, just as long as you're in that, as long as you're in that realm of those top, you know, 30 picks, 32 picks. Um, you've got a chance to add somebody if you get your evaluation right. You got a, you've got a chance to add a, a day one starter to your mm-hmm. to your roster. You just don't have those. You just you're simply your 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 percentage chance of uh, of of adding a quality piece just tumbles. But look, I think like if you look at the LA Rams, they've they've traded multiple picks away and they still find late quality guys and have built a roster, you know, pretty well on second, third, and fourth, fifth round picks. So. Um, you know, it can be done. Uh, we've just not done that well, and I think that's what the, that's what you've got to hope that Casario changes. He's not made a huge amount in the front office, but you've got to hope that you know, as a franchise, historically, we've not been good in the mid rounds. Um, and we're gonna to have to start hitting on those if we're going to start building out this roster, but um, yeah, but I think as, as it pertains to this game, uh, Vince, I think as I said, I think Buffalo will see a very different team, um, than what you did in the 2019 playoffs, and I think it'll be. It's uh, it's it's been a it's been it's been a long road, I think, for both both teams. I like think you you've gone one way, we've gone the other. Um, but it'll yeah, it'll be a very very different outlook um, of you know. And that was probably one of the you know, probably top three or four Texans games um, of all time. I think when you think of the swing in that game, yeah. Uh, but it just shows you how how far Josh Allen has come this season. and you know, it'll remain to be seen if he can find that find that level of play again. But I hope you know. I think the I think the, I think it, I think everybody would agree that I think the the league is a better place when the Bills are a good team. So, um, can't set the certain teams that would begrudge success, but uh, you're not one of them. That's for sure. <laughs>
0: we never heard anybody. My most most of my adult life, since you know, I guess pretty much I was out of high school. Like they, the, the the Bills have been just. Terrible. So we never heard anybody. We're always overlooked. It's almost like we're not even part of the league sometimes. Until now.
2: Yeah. Well, that's it. And the Browns were the same. Um, and you know, and everybody's talking them up as a playoff um at minimum contender. I wasn't ov- overly that impressed with them. um But you know, it's a week to week league, and get your game plan right. And I think you know we've done a good job of coaching so far um in the in two games. But I think yeah, yeah, I think it's a lesson to everybody. I think there's a lot of parallels there between where the Browns have been. Um, you know, just stacking high-end draft picks for the last few years, had to change coaching GM. But once they got to that point, uh, they've started to elevate. And I suppose it's a lesson for us that, you know, it might not you might not get there after attempt two or attempt three. It might be four or five. So um, it can be done. Um, but I suppose, as I keep telling myself, is, is when, the, uh, when the good times roll back around again, it's, you know, seasons like this that uh, will probably make you appreciate a bit more because I think you never know when it's all going to end, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm kind of scarred from having that long playoff drought. So there's a certain piece of my mind that's always waiting for it to fall apart. Yeah. Yeah. And I look
2: at, I remember that vividly as well, watching that game against Jacksonville and in Jacksonville and, you know, the the way in which, you know, the bills turned up that day, I think it was something quite special, you know, and you saw what it meant to that fan base and, and uh, you know, and, and what it means to the people in that area. So yeah, you know, I mean, that that stuck with me from, you know, from a very abstract uh, viewpoint. So, you know, hopefully you can see that again this this offseason. And I suppose that the key is, isn't it, is having the best record you can because and to try and get home field advantage. Because that that was our issue. Um, if I think when we went up to 2018, we went up to Philadelphia and blew a late lead and we would have had home field advantage for the playoffs. And then. Uh, and then New England ended up getting beat um, off Miami in the last game of the season, and it was the Chiefs that, s- that snuck in home field advantage, going to win the Super Bowl. Um, and or, or no, they got, or got yeah, it twenty eighteen, and then in in twenty nineteen as well, we did the same thing. We we just blew bad home home games against Denver, Carolina, um, where we should have won those games, and we didn't get home field advantage in the playoffs, and it cost us, you know. And it, we were the same. And, in uh, 2011 and 2012 as well, we should have, you know, had home field advantage so if you can do that. I think that that's probably the recipe for success when you need to beat these um, these sort of superstar perennial quarterbacks like Mahomes and previously Brady, you know.
0: And Watson, he's that guy too.
2: I well, mean, it, yeah, I don't know who will be again. for. Yeah, I don't <laughs> know who it'll be for, and it might not be us, I think. But but yeah, and I think that's going to be a strange point. I think as well of of change for everybody involved in this franchise, and I think you know, and it will be tough to watch because. You know, if a guy that you managed to, you know, to upset so miraculously goes, wants to leave despite you paying him, despite you giving him everything um, and he goes somewhere else and be successful, I think that's going to be quite tough as well. You know, I think to to go, you know, when that probably inevitably happens in two or three years time. So um, whether that will be, I've always thought he'd end up in Miami, um, but we'll see. We'll see. You might be seeing him twice a year. uh, I, I,
0: I don't understand at this moment in time why you would make that trade because I think there's just so much unknown, but on the other side, I think that if I'm the Texans and you offer me three first and two twos, I still would rather have Watson. Like, Oh yeah. 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 Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, yeah. Like, like you said, I mean, I I am, I'm of the opinion that whatever you get back will never be enough. And because just by the, the league rules, you can only trade three years worth of picks and that's not enough. Um, yeah, you I know, mean, even if it was three firsts, three seconds, and three thirds, I don't even think that's enough, personally, um, because it's just so hard to replace. Um, Anybody you, know, you, you get,
0: you're hoping becomes Watson.
2: Well, that's it. Yeah, and you get yeah. nine players saying you, you might get nine starters if you are hitting all the picks, but you know statistically, the chances of that are less than half. So see, you get you know four, three players out of it, um, and yeah, is, is, is it is it to replace what he could be? Because I think that's the issue. He's got better and better and better every year, and um, he's continued to get better. Um he started a long way to go and he started a lot of growth. Still a young guy, just turned 26 last week. Um and you know he's now you know been relegated to the shadows, but you know, some people will say and you know the the this the Harris County legal system will, will do the judging for us. I'm not sort of gonna cast any aspersions, but ultimately I think a lot of people could levy you know, whatever happens, he's put himself in a situation he should never have put himself in. And uh, a man of that talent, there's very few human beings can do what he can do on a football field. And by acting the way he's acted, regardless, you know, of, of the of the validity of the allegations, he's taken he's taken his his, uh, his pride. You know, he's the one thing he, he felt like he was put on this planet to do, um, and he can't do it because of the way he acted. So um, it's a uh, it's a tough one, I think, and. Uh, Hopefully, it'll, it'll sort itself out, um, you know, one way or the other, because I think people just want closure now. We're kind of, you know, I think it's gone on for so long that, that it's it's, a, it's just a perennial kind of drag on the team and the future and everything. So the, the day we can turn the page and look forward is great, but it just feels like you've been in limbo for so very long now.
0: Okay. Ewan, you got any questions for me?
2: What's your expectations for this team then, Vince? You think you can. You know, do you think you know, you don't think you can compete with the Chiefs, but sometimes you can avoid the Chiefs and maybe beat somebody else? I don't know. Do you think you've got it in you? Because I, I thought the pass rush was the big issue, and then like on the back end, you look okay. Um, but as you think it's up front, maybe is that, the, is that where it might cost you? Because I really like Cody Ford, I thought we'd maybe take him in the draft and he slipped to the second round, but I don't think he's quite lived up to his slight, Is he?
0: He played well this past week, but right. that's a big no so far mm. now. Uh, I think the mafia is kind of split on him. Some just kind of want to move on from him and uh, some want to make excuses for him. And I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. Yes. He's had a lot of issues. Not he's, he's been injured. They, he's a right tackle. Is he right guard? Is he left guard? Mm-hmm. Um, I was he was a guard. He's a
2: guard, he's a guard like, now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But
0: he was originally drafted to be a tackle yeah, and yeah. that didn't work out. So yeah, there's some of it that's his fault, but I still think he's got at least a solid starter upside in him, and if he played well last week against Miami, so we'll see where that goes.
2: Hmm. Yeah. Do you think? Do you think the the I know Dion. I saw numerous clips of Dion Dawkins kind of getting a hard time at week one. Um, I think it was predominantly Melvin Ingram when his first start for the for the Steelers. But do you think the offensive lines the, the potentially the the weak spot of this 21 bill side?
0: Yeah, and oddly enough. The tackles haven't been great, but I'm not I'm not giving up on the two tackles. Deion Dawkins and Daryl Williams, they're going to be fine. They're going to have their days. Melvin Ingram's still a great player. T.J. Watt's going to get his no matter who's there. Yep. But the interior, I'm not necessarily as high on Mitch Morse. I don't think he's the player that we signed when we made him the highest played center. Mm. Uh, Cody Ford, the book is still being written on him not really sure where to go from there on the other side John Feliciano is a weak link he's the one that gives up the most ground consistently on the offensive line we don't really have a good backup we want to talk about Ike Bodker he's fine he's not that much of an upgrade from Feliciano if you ask me so I think there's holes and there was places that we did not address in the draft we drafted Boogie Basham We could have drafted an offensive lineman there that maybe could be starting in that place so and then we drafted Tommy Doyle who's not suiting up for that's a second tackle we drafted. So, two defensive ends and two tackles in the same draft. We maybe could have used some picks somewhere else. But if it ends in the Super Bowl, I'm not mad at him.
2: <laughs> well, that's it. And I think there's always that was always the issue with Watson. It was always kind of, you know, much discussed about how many times he got hit and he had to take a bus to Jacksonville with broken ribs. But ultimately, it was the scheme that let him down because if you get the ball out quick. You know, I think Brady, you know, he saw it closer than most. But you get the ball out in, you know, one and a half, two seconds. It kind of, you know, the guys up front just need to kind of be there. Um, so long as you can get a quick release and you know, and good timing on your on your routes, then you know, sometimes pass protection can take care of itself if if, if the scheme allows it to. You know, so I think hopefully you'll be able to see Josh Allen um, get it. And I think I suppose you know if we're gonna if we're obviously I'd like to but hopefully you know I think we can come up and give you a good run for your money in a couple of weeks time, but. Um, I struggle to see it, and we'll see where we go. But as I said, a couple of extra days rest might might do some good, um, and see how you get through the uh, the uh, the game against uh, the the, the Washington, Washington football team. Yeah, you got to get that right now, haven't you? Uh, the, but the football team, um, yeah. see how you get on there, and uh, yeah, it might be set up for a good one. I think. I think we'll surprise people at points this season. Um, it just depends. I think we. My fear is that the wheels might come off the defense at some point and you might be the first team to do that. We'll wait and see.
0: Do you have a prediction? What's his score?
2: Oh, I'm not a big one for predictions. I think uh, I, I I said at the start of the order on Sunday, the Cleveland game, I thought I thought we would hold in and we would just slowly ebb away late on. Um, and we, we covered the spread. I think it was 12 and a half. Um, I've not seen the spread for this one. I know we're, I know we're underdogs in every game this season. Um, so so um, if we can just cover the spread, which I'm assuming will be about, 12 and a half probably if not 10 so 10 and a half um yeah if we can keep it we can keep it in a two score game uh, or a one score game for a long time back could, i could see you putting up 30 plus points probably 35 14 something like that i think we're going to have a lot of a lot of games like that this season where we're just kind of outpowered
0: yeah my prediction would be something like that i might say 32 35 yeah. uh 14 17 something like that
2: yeah, I just, I, I think we'll, we'll, we'll struggle to, to get explosive plays and, 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 uh, and flip a, flip a gear quick, quickly enough to, to go and get us back in the games. like we did that at the weekend. Um, but as you said, Tyrod's out for the next four weeks, so it'll be a baptism of fire, and I'm, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure Fraser that defense, um, and a lot of guys will be throwing all sorts of things at Davis Mills for the next couple of weeks because if Davis Mills goes out, it's Jeff Triscoll, and uh, that was not pretty in preseason, so. Um, and I don't think it's going to be that pretty. But you know, look, we might see Davis Mills grow up before our very eyes and, and shock a couple of people uh, in the next three or four weeks. But look, he's he's, he's got the chance. We all probably knew statistically over Tyrod's career, he would get injured at some point. Um, I think the only season he didn't get injured was was ironically when he was benched for Nathan Peterman that season uh, with you guys when you went to the playoffs. But I think yeah, it was always it felt like it was always going to happen. It was, I had a sense of. Inevitability, inevitability about it. Um, so hopefully, um, Davis Mills can come in and be serviceable and not lose his games, um, and, and and you know and, and give us a chance. But from what I've seen so far, I think he'll throw picks and he'll he'll uh, try and force balls and he won't read the field correctly. And I think defense will throw a lot at him, and it might just be too much for a guy who's not. You know, I think he threw less than two hundred ninety balls in college. So um, so I think it's going to be a. It's going to be a, cup, a tough couple of weeks before uh, old uh, Ty God, as they've been calling him, uh, comes back. But uh, appreciate it, Vince. And uh, as I said, um, I think the, the league's a better place for a good Bills team, so I wish you all the best this season, mate.
0: Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And I am actually kind of pulling for Tyrod to do well, as long as it's not against me. I don't have a problem if he wants to grow up and become a franchise quarterback again. I don't have any problems with that at all. So I'm kind of low-key pulling on the, on the Texans too.
1: Yeah.
2: but
0: looking at that division, you know the Colts are having a rough start. They might have lost uh Wentz for a while. you got yeah. uh, the Tennessee Titans not looking like they were last year uh, and you guys have already had a division win against Jacksonville. so it's probably a, a stretch to say that you have a shot, but I don't think it's as I don't think it's as big a hill to climb as you might have thought a couple weeks ago.
2: Yeah, no. I think obviously you saw Seattle go, or um, the 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 uh, the uh, the ex Oilers go up and uh, win a game in uh, in Seattle in overtime, which I think was you know probably should, I, I mean, I, I tend to think Seattle's kind of one of those teams again when they traded for Jamal Adams. That always kind of seemed a bit strange because I don't think necessarily a box safety is going to you know, solve all your issues. But the um, yeah, I think that was probably a a hard place to go, regardless. Um, whether it's a, a team based around Russell Wilson and long balls and hoping to run it a little. So, you know, they go up and win there. I think that's a big win. And, you know, when everybody else plays, you know, you saw Seattle handle handle the Colts in week one pretty handily, I think. Um, I, I I don't know how long the Urban Meyer ex- experiment lasted, if I'm honest. They looked like a broken man week one. I didn't see too much in week two. Um but there's, there's definitely going to be, you know, I think definitely we're not the worst team in the division. But as I said, a lot can change over a 17-week schedule. And I, my fear is that the wheels come off this defence at some point because uh, I think our should would be masked by turnovers. But, but yeah, I think we'll probably finish third. I, I think maybe you might run the Colts a little bit close, but I, I think they would have to completely implode. Um, I think it's Jacob Eason or Sam Ellinger from Texas that will be the the guys that, you know, potentially fill in. Uh, I think it's two sprained ankles, apparently. I saw had this... Um, after the game against the Rams because they ran them close to be fair uh, so you know I think he'll come back and at some point I think they'll persevere with him because I think they kind of have to now after trading for him so I think he'll be there into next season to see where it gets them um, I think probably everybody would give Hazard a guess it's not going to get them very far but um, I think it's probably Tennessee's to lose unless they get some injuries and uh, but I think they, they look to have a formidable passing attack, you know, trained for Leo Jones. So, you know, I can see them quite handily beating us with it with those with those two guys on the outside. So um, yeah, I think it's it's definitely tennis ease to lose at this stage, it would seem certainly albeit early doors. Um, depending if the Colts can kind of steady the ship without Wentz. Um we'll probably maybe finish third. And I said at the start of the season it's probably four and a half, five wins as our uh is our kind of ceiling. You know, if we got to six, I think that would be a success for David Cully and everybody involved. But yeah, I think you know. But we'll, you know, we've got the Jets on the schedule. We've got um, a couple of you know, sort of winnable-ish games that you know. I think we can go and um, make up, make a fist of. But look, if you look at, we've got Carolina on Thursday night, and I don't think anybody probably saw them being quite as good as they are. Uh, in the the DC, their snows kind of pulling that uh, defense to the right. Angle, and they've just built up enough talent now, probably that's going to see them, you know, probably be a good unit. And they're getting a lot of pressures, they're, they're doing some good stuff up front, they're good and they're good in coverage. So, yeah, I think you know, teams, you know, inevitably surprise and have a completely different you know, complexion. And some people thought they might do preseason, so you know, a lot can change. But yeah, I think your third, you know, if we finish third and um, four or five wins, I think it's a good, good step to next season. Then you know, there's a lot of top end defensive talent in this draft that you know. I think I've we'll probably watch more college football the first two weeks that I've done in the last two years, watching <laughs> these quarterbacks, watching these you know top-end defensive players play. So um, I think that's where we need to be looking. So you've got one eye on the future, which is kind of a shame, and we should never be in this position, but uh, it's the nature of the beast, unfortunately.
0: All right. Hewan from Turn Up for Watt podcast. That's Watt as in J.J. Watt, W-A-T-T, Turn yeah. Up for Watt
2: it was a rhetorical question uh, or why did I do this to myself and I actually became less relevant in the last few years uh, but it's become also so <laughs> ever so pertinent this off season and it probably continue to be for the next couple of years um, so yeah it was more of a question than a uh, than a statement but, uh, but Vince thank you very much for having me on much appreciated um, I said all the best for the season
0: Yeah, thank you so much. This is fun. I enjoy these. And uh, I I didn't realize you were on the other side of the Atlantic when I reached out to you. So I don't know what time of day it is over there, but I'm very appreciative.
2: Oh, no worries. No worries. Not too too much of a difference in Eastern time. So all good. Uh, But uh, thanks, friends. Appreciate it.
0: All right. Have a good night, sir.
2: Cheers. Thank you.
0: Hello. I have a fun game for y'all today. It's called Is It Real or Is It Silly? silly adjective laughable or amusing through foolishness or a foolish appearance
1: is that for real is it real silliness okay is it real wow double laugh
0: silliness is defined as engaging in a ludicrous folly Ladies and gentlemen of Bills Mafia, it is that time of the week again where I am joined by my very special guest over from the wandering buffalo, Justin Goddard. Justin, what's going on?
1: Um having a great day right now. Enjoying this Bills win. It wasn't the uh wasn't the prettiest game I've ever seen, despite it being, you know, a good old fashioned good old fashioned blowout. Didn't didn't feel that clean, but it was still still a fun game to watch. Uh definitely a lot better than. I was this time last week. How are you?
0: Yeah, same, same. It is, I saw somebody say today that it is so odd how we have come from just wanting to win the game uh, and and to complaining about a 35 to nothing win. (laughs) And I have felt like, yes, it feels hollow. It's not as satisfying for a 35 nothing win, but I shouldn't be complaining.
1: Yeah, like it's really fun looking at the final score and then, Something I always do after the game is I end up rewatching it, um, but I also go like right to the stat sheet and just like running down the stat sheet. I'm like, man, we didn't really have a great game on paper, but defense looks great. Um, I think the offense is still trying to gel a little bit and I don't, don't want to keep giving too much credit to opposing defenses because we were really picking everybody apart last year, but Miami does have a great secondary. Um, So hopefully the passing game gets a little bit more on track, but like you said, it's, it's kind of hollow because these these quote unquote bad games from Josh are like bad by his standards that we've grown accustomed to. Um, But you know, you go back ten, five, ten 10 years and these would have been like some of the best, quarterback numbers we've seen in the playoff drought still
0: yeah how naive we were we wanted to buy into everybody everybody just give me something to believe in just give me a little glimmer and we're like that's the guy let's hopeful hope for the best and it never worked out um, although Tyrod Taylor is well he was uh, playing really well out there in Texan land and uh, just what an odd career that guy's had
1: yeah I, I always liked Tyrod in Buffalo I I accepted that he had some limitations, but he always seemed like a great dude and like a really hard worker and, you know, just making the most with the, with the skills that he has. And then just after Buffalo, he got dealt like the weirdest set of cards. You know, we flip him to the Browns like that had to hurt. He gets us to the playoffs for the first time in 17 years and we send him to the Browns. Then he has the whole lung thing with the chargers and then, then he ends up in Houston, which is just a, a very weird situation, and he's still balling out, and, and now it looks like he's going to miss some time with injury. So I feel bad for him.
0: Yeah, he will not play in the Texans game when when they come to Buffalo, I think after Washington. Uh, so he will not be part of that game. But let's go ahead and get right to it. It is real or silly and we have the first question ready to go. Justin, are you ready? I am, sir. Question one. Okay. Against the Texans, speaking of the Texans, Josh will get on track. He will have a 300-yard, three-touchdown game against Houston. Is that real or is that silly?
1: Uh, so I'd like to say real here, and it feels very possible. Um, I just – I don't. Know, something about that game doesn't feel to me like we're going to come out with with our guns blazing and and really try to lay the smackdown on them. I think it's going to be kind of like uh, I don't know. I see us kind of in that game playing down to our competition a little bit and just kind of doing what we have to do to get the win. Um, and I think that if we kind of shoot out to a, a wild lead. Early in the game, we might actually see some Trubisky in, in the late third, early fourth quarter. Um, so I'm going to go silly on this. A bunch of silliness. And I think it's going to be a game where we really try to get the running game going and just kind of do enough through the air and just really control the game through through our running game and, and the defense. That is a well thought out answer. And I...
0: You've given me something to think about, but I'm going to go against you. I'm going to say it's real. And the reason why I'm going to say that is because I think it's very possible that Josh is going to need the get-right game. And he, we could get up early, and that could certainly happen. I think if we get up early, it's the three touchdowns are more realistic than the 300. But I'm going to say yes to all of it. Um, do you think we're going to see Trubisky? I don't know. Maybe, but... Washington is no slots defensively either. So it's very possible that Josh has three subpar, at least by his standards games in a row and the Texans could be the get right game. So I'm going to bet all on that and go crazy. Just like I did with my Russo prediction.
1: (laughs) That Russo one's not looking so outlandish. It is though. (laughs) It's still a, it's still a, uh,
0: I, I don't can't come up with a good analogy, but I'm, I don't even drink, but I, I must've been drinking
1: that day. <laughs> Somebody slipped you something. <laughs> yes. All right. I could, sorry, just, I just wanted to say one thing before we wrap up on that one. I could see the Texans as kind of like that idea of a get right game. Um, especially being that Tyrod Taylor's out when Tyrod Taylor was in there, you know, as, as much as we've made jokes about the Texans and them just really not looking like a good roster, they're still coming out there and competing and playing much better football than I expected to see. So it it kind of just speaks to there really not being any easy wins in the NFL.
0: Yeah. Even if they won against Jacksonville, that's the game that I would not have picked them to win. And by the way, they just played the Browns pretty tough. The Browns are a really good team. They're one of the elite teams in the AFC, I believe. And, yeah, the NFL can go that way sometimes, right? So you can have a game that maybe you play over your ability or your your talent level for, and then the next week you can come back to earth. and And I think we've seen that with the Bills, even over the draft. Like you could win a game sometimes. So they have my attention. It's interesting. But without Tyrod Taylor, yeah, Davis Mills, rookie, not even a first-round rookie, that's a lot to ask against Rousseau against Epinesa, against Hughes, against Trey. You know, I don't know. But that's a perfect segue into our second question. A bunch of silliness. Justin Goddard, the Texans will get multiple offensive TDs against the Bills in Buffalo. Is that real or silly?
1: Man, if you asked me before this weekend, I would have said that that was real. I think that most teams in the NFL are capable of scoring. You know, even the worst teams will score a couple times a game. Uh, but just really seeing what the Bills just did to Miami, and I think they're Miami's a pretty good team. I think they get better when they have Brissette, and they still weren't able to put points on the board uh, without Tyrod being there. I wouldn't say multiple offensive scores. I think they probably get like one offensive score and maybe there's some sort of like fluky pick six or something, or if they get a second score to qualify this, are we counting field goals as offensive scores or we're talking touchdowns, right?
0: Yeah. It was offensive touchdowns.
1: Okay. Yeah. I could see him slapping a few field goals in there. um, But If our defense looks anything like they did against Miami, they were bringing the heat all game. They were playing solid and pretty much across the board with that defense. So I would say no to multiple offensive scores. That is silly. A bunch of silliness.
0: Yeah, I'll agree with you there for pretty much the same reasons. No Tyrod Taylor. He's their biggest threat right now. And that's not saying much as much as I like Tyrod as a person and as what he stood for he's still not a great quarterback even if he's playing well until he got hurt and that'll be the fourth straight game that the bills have went up against a subpar offensive line i think washington might be the best of the first four games but i still think they're average at best maybe that's like us and maybe we're not even that good so the defensive line could cause problems for davis mills um Not a first round rookie, you know, a pretty reasonable high pick to spend on a quarterback, but still not a first round quarterback and no Tyrod Taylor. Uh, I learned today that they only carried five wide receivers on their final roster. They're going to try to load up on tight ends go a lot of two tight end sets and try to run the ball. That's not going to be, even if that's somehow sometimes our weakness, that's not a recipe to score a lot of points and getting the two seems just too much. I can't get there. They agree. All right. Last but not least, you mentioned for question number three. Question three. I like this one because I, I still have this opinion, but maybe the stats aren't backing it up right now. But my opinion was that Jacoby Brissett was a better starter than Tua. You came up with the question. Jacoby Brissett's going to lead the dolphins to the playoffs. Is that Real or silly?
1: Uh, so I think that's silly, but I have a, a multi-pronged answer to it. A bunch of silliness. Um, I really only think that it's it's silly because I think, you know, Tua had his his x-rays. He has bruised ribs, nothing's broken. So he's going to be back at some point. And I think Dracobi Brissett, while he might win a couple games into his absence. I think they have too much invested into Tua right now to, to kind of just throw in the towel for a backup veteran again. And I think it would be the right move to keep reset going forward for a team trying to make the playoffs this year. Um, but I think it's also too early to, you know, if you bench two again for another veteran backup, you're, you're kind of really showing how you feel about him. And I think this is a critical year for Tua to to really start developing, and they're actually handing the reins over to him, and you know, letting there was there wasn't the safety net of well, if a game gets too tight, we'll throw Fitz in and hope for some magic. I don't think they look at Brissette the same way that they were looking at Fitz last year. Um, so, if they were to roll with Brissette for the remainder of the season. I think that would be real. I think they could make the playoffs with Brissette. Um, All those weapons that they have on the team, a pretty good defense. Um, But I think at some point Tua comes back and and that's not a playoff team.
0: Yeah, I, I think even with Tua in there, they're fringy and they're just like last year. They were getting it done with their defense. Tua got a lot of credit for the things he did with short fields. I'm still not ready to write him off, but I'm about 90% of the way there. I'm leaving the door cracked a little bit, but right now I think Brissett is the better quarterback. I don't think Brissett was terrible when he got the starters job in Indianapolis. Sure. He wasn't a franchise guy and he wasn't even a top end starter, but he was a starting quarterback and a viable one, even if on the low end of the spectrum. And I think if they were to start him for the full rest of the season, yeah, they're a much better team, but you made the points. You made the exact points. Um They're going to keep it's, it's too early to give up on a, a pick that high and maybe something during the middle of the season changes where they just have made the decision. Not un- completely unlike EJ Manuel, where they're just like, fine, we're going to bench you. We're going to go with percent So that could be, a yes, but I'm going to agree with you.
1: Yeah. And I think, I think this is kind of a problem in the NFL Um, that there's, there's such pressure to play these high first round quarterbacks that a lot of these guys translating to the NFL, like they have the physical tools, they're talented, all that stuff, but it's kind of like learning the NFL game and and you just get thrust right into it. And, and then you're on what, like a three year leash um, where it kind of used to be more like we could take somebody high in the draft and, and let them sit for a year now it's just like this instant gratification. We need to know about this draft pick. They get three years, and if they don't work out in three years, not only are they headed out the door, the coach, the GM, like all that's going with it. And I I, I know there's not a ton of examples of it in, in modern history, but talking like Aaron Rodgers behind Brett Favre, um, Holmes behind Alex Smith, just giving the guy a year to kind of get up to speed with, What's going on in the NFL? Get to know their teammates and work on that chemistry and practice and all that. And and we don't really see that anymore. Just it has to happen or or it doesn't. So I think they kind of did to a disservice there.
0: I generally agree with that. However, I think there's nuances to that thinking as well. For example. Now Josh is a terrible quarterback to use in any comparison because that guy is just, he's an outlier in every sense of the word. But if we think about the offense and the coaching staff that Josh walked into in his rookie year, he was not set up to succeed. And if Patrick Mahomes doesn't link up with Andy Reid, does he become Patrick Mahomes? If you're drafted to, I mean, I think coaching matters. I think the talent around you matters, but you see people like Joey Burrow come in and just lighten things on fire last year. We saw Justin Herbert. So I don't know. I think every situation is different, but I do expect my first round rookie to come in and at least not embarrass himself. Show me that you have something. I, I think they should generally be able to do that.
1: I agree to an extent, but also disagree, but I, I agree with the points that you made there, especially, you know, being being like a top 10 pick. You, like you said, you expect them not to come in and make you look foolish. But I, I just think a lot of these guys need a little bit more time. And it, it's not always the luxury of an organization, you know, that could be coming down from the owner that they want that guy to play. And you think he needs a little time and so much that goes into it. I just I feel like too is a guy that could have just... I mean, Miami was good with Fitz last year and they just kind of like forced to in be- because of his draft stock. And I think he would have benefited. I think he would be better right now in this season had they just let Fitz run his course last year and they probably make the or Tua. year or too,
0: or, to- or just run with two of the whole year. I mean, one right. or the other. Yeah. Uh, we always want to talk about how blind floors is just a great coach and, is that true? Do we still feel that way? Because last year I think he completely mismanaged that team. And I don't think he's doing a, a great job so far this year with, you know, I know they beat the Patriots and the Patriots are, they're a 500 team. I know 500 teams don't really exist anymore, but for all intents and purposes, that's who they are.
1: Yeah. Flora, Flores lost me last year with the with the flip-flopping. And it wasn't even like game by game or or it was just like, whenever the game was on the line, you know, going through that adversity of like, this is when you go out and win a game in the NFL. It was like, all right, man, you did a decent job getting us here. We're going to have, we're going to have Fitz go try to finish this one out. And like, just what that had to have done to, to his confidence, to just like, I got us to this point where we're in the fourth quarter and we have four minutes left and it's, the game's right there to go win, And and then you just give it to the other guy. I, I I can't imagine that'd be good for a young quarterback's confidence.
0: Yeah. Let me try it coach. No, 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 no. You need to sit. You're going to learn from Fitz. Okay. Okay. Coach. All right. I guess, I guess uh, you just let me know when
1: you need me. I'm going to go over here and get some nachos.
0: (laughs) All right, Justin, you have anything else for me?
1: I think that's all. No bonus questions this week. I'll, maybe I'll get one for you next week. Okay.
0: We will be back next week at our regularly scheduled recording time. And uh, Justin, we'll, well, maybe we'll see you next week. I'll be around. All right. Enjoy the rest of your night, sir.
1: You too, man. Take care.
0: Hi there, Bill's Mafia. This is Vince Taylor from Buffalo on the Brain on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. I'm here today to tell you about a great new product you may have already heard of. It's called the Brother Bill, and it combines the great taste and energy boost of a morning cup of coffee along with refreshing cold brew taste of Labatt's Blue. But did you know you can enjoy the great taste of a coffee beer in your own home? All you gotta do is replace the water in your Keurig machine with a nice cold Labatt's Brew, and then bam, you get that magical coffee beer combination. Mmm, delicious ready to break some tables you can have it with your breakfast yes excuse me waitress I think I will have two eggs over easy uh, a side of bacon and white toast with butter oh yes to drink yes that'll be a brother bill no sugar no cream I drink it black like a man delicious and brother bill approved perfect for any game day wake-up call this fall while you're watching the bills So remember, this fall, when you're looking for something that's going to pump you up, you know what to do. Get yourself a Brother Bill and scream, Bills by a billion to the top of your lungs. Go Bills.
2: I'm aware of how destiny is going to take its course, brother.
0: Bills Mafia, that is it. That is all I have for you this week. Thank you so much for sticking around to the end. As you know... By now, I hope you knew. I was traveling, so this is not my normal episode. Thank you so much to uh, Hewan from Turn Up For What podcast. And of course, Justin Goddard squeezed me in because he's a trooper. And uh, I really appreciate him uh, trying to help me get this put out for you all while I am out on vacation. So we will be back to a normal grind next week. Until then, please be kind to everybody around you. Please wear a mask and go Bills. If you were not absolutely satisfied with this podcast episode, please contact your state senator or the postmaster general. Please be sure to mention, Vince Taylor said that you are a big fucking cry-ass.
1: Here we are, I'm out of my third Pro Bowl. We're talking about our idiot podcaster. Who got liquored up and ran his mouth off. So, what does the sports world come to? We're talking about idiot
2: podcast.
1: Boy, I'm sure glad that's over with. Me too. Yeah, but you know, I learned something today. Just when you think this show is terrible, something wonderful happens. What? It ends.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's all, folks. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.